Coming to you from the Outer Mission, this is Monkey Block, a storytelling podcast focused on San Francisco's golden past, 1849 through 1906. I'm your host, Girlina. The stories are closely based on newspapers of the time, historical books, and journals. Disclaimer, I do my best to research and share the real stories, extracting legends or calling them out. Now, let's go back in time. As part of doing research for my first episode, after completing my walk around Yerba Buena, I felt a pull towards the opposite side of the Transamerica building from where I was standing. I don't know why I listened to my gut on that day, but I did. I walked to the opposite side of that Transamerica building, and the only thing there was a bar that had its front door open, but I don't know that it was necessarily open for business. I stuck my head in the bar and asked if they could make a drink to go. I'm Again, I'm not really sure they were actually open that day. Maybe they were. I was thrilled to see Pisco Punch on their menu, though. Will was behind the bar, cleaning and doing other things. He asked me if I was visiting from out of town, because, I don't know, maybe I had an out-of-town look about me. I said I was local and that I was doing research for my podcast, which was San Francisco history-based. Will's face lit up. He told me about the seawall in the basement, and my face lit up. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I said a few, oh my god, oh my god, oh my gods. (laughs) Double-masked, we went downstairs to the seawall, and I was out of my mind with excitement. I was stunned by what was in front of me. I was almost as thrilled to have someone to talk early San Francisco with. Will gave me his card so we could continue to geek out about our books, and it's rare that I find people who relish this topic at the same level. You wouldn't think it would be so difficult, but it is. (laughs) I returned to the high horse a few days later to get a better look at the seawall and to take photos. The seawall got me. At this point, I was hooked. I was enamored by the seawall, and my mind was set on figuring out its history. But it bothered me that the seawall existed so quietly. It needed exposure. The bar needed exposure. I felt compelled to help the seawall, the bar, and Will. The restaurant bar industry was hard hit by the pandemic. On Will's watch, the seawall is fine. What if something changed? I feared the seawall could lose its guardian. That's when I got the idea to post the seawall photos on a Facebook group where other San Francisco history buffs gather. I went with my gut once more. And the rest, as they say, is history. Here we go. So I'm here at 582 Washington Street at the High Horse, and I have a special guest today. Uh, Hello, my name is Will. I've been a bartender here in San Francisco for uh, about 20 years now, and uh, I've uh, made a fond connection to uh, historical bars in San Francisco. Can you tell my dear listeners how the seawall came into your life? Yeah, I'll have to uh, provide the abridged version because I don't know if we'll have enough time on this podcast. (laughs) Some friends of mine opened a bar called the Old Chip Saloon or took over the operations of the Old Chip Saloon, which is one of San Francisco's oldest saloons. 
in conversation with them, we decided to take on another project in this historical neighborhood, Jackson Square. And it brought to light a number of uh, historical features that we didn't know remained in the uh, process of renovation. So we decided to expose a lot of that, a lot of those features that we felt we connected to during the early stages of the renovation and the build out. And we just felt that there were elements of old San Francisco that we couldn't deny our community. And we believe it's also just a beautiful feature in general. Wait, so you're you're saying that there were elements that were not exposed when you started the renovation? Absolutely. They were, for the most part, completely concealed. And the bar that we took over at 582 Washington has lived a lot of different lives from uh, the late 19th century as a mercantile all the way into the mid-century during the gallery era as a haberdashery and an art studio and you know, a very brief time is the horse stables uh, for the Montgomery turnaround. So this this room in and of itself has provided San Francisco a lot of different services during yeah. its lifetime. And so when you joined into this partnership, you were not aware that there was seawall behind, what is it, sheetrock? Y- yeah, we were completely beside ourselves when we oh when we realized God. that uh, we had this feature behind uh, the drywall. And in fact, we probably wouldn't have realized if the the bar that we took over wasn't in such disrepair. So it was really uh, serendipity that we um, <laughs> even realized that it was a part of our part of our bar, part of our room, part of our space. Wow. I have to tell you, it really seems like there's serendipity associated with the seawall many, many times over. So back then, you exposed the seawall. And what did you know about the seawall back then, or at least thought you knew? Uh, That's a really good question. We didn't know much. We had lingering myths that surrounded our neighborhood. People would come down and touch the wall and give us their two cents about it. And we compiled enough information to create uh, a myth of our own, which was an original seawall of 1948 or 1848. And it's where the gold rush really started leading into Portsmouth Square. And uh, we really just clung to that the first couple of years. And, you know, in time, we realized that it was a lot more than that. There was a lot more to the history of these stones, brick and mortar that uh, compiled this wall. And ultimately, the people we shared this wall with evolved into uh, a much broader community of providing knowledge and history to uh, to the edifice and giving us much more valuable information regarding the history of the wall. Yeah, I'm just amazed over and over at the serendipity of this seawall. So I have my story, but I'd like to hear your story about how you and I met. Yeah, absolutely. So we met during the pandemic closures, the shelter in place, shuttered uh, both of our bars. And during that time, we found methods to keep our businesses open. And one of those methods were selling cocktails to go, food to go. And uh, we happened to bump into you as a guest walking into the high horse on the main floor. I was lucky enough to be behind the bar that day. And 
as often as I can, I try to talk about the history of uh, hodling and uh, the building itself and its relevance to San Francisco, San Francisco drinking culture. And I realized immediately that this was something that interested you. So uh, I felt compelled to share um, the jewel of the high horse and I shared the seawall with you. And it really, our relationship really took a life of its own uh, from there. So after meeting you and the seawall, I really wanted to give the seawall and your bar more presence. It it really seemed like the seawall faded into the past. So I posted a photo of the seawall on this Facebook group called San Francisco History to 1915. I knew on that Facebook group that there were a lot of heavy hitters as far as San Francisco history goes. And I was not wrong. It definitely generated conversation. And then it just took this life of its own. I came to realize that there really is serendipity with the seawall. Through that Facebook group, a brick historian reached out to me. And long story short, I organized a meeting here at the seawall with this Bay Area brick expert and then two brick museum people. Can you talk about the buzz that that created for you? Uh, yes. Uh, a buzz, I think, is putting it lightly. Uh, it made this, not just this bar, but the surrounding residents and, and business owners and uh, our, our clientele created this air of electricity that we hadn't seen in a very long time. So just creating the conversation uh, about uh, the connection with the historians and being able to validate the the era in which uh, this rubble and stone were put in place, brought in luminaries from different corners of San Francisco, architects, engineers, publishers, local historians to just be in the presence of the seawall. And what we realized, and uh, when I say we, not just the high horse and and the people that are directly connected to the seawall, we quickly understood that we uncovered a new piece of San Francisco history that Literally. we all felt were a part of at the same time. So it created this really interesting bond amongst strangers very rapidly. And uh, we're all trying to piece together this mystery of the seawall. And it's been a really engaging and, and wonderful experience. Not, not only is it in my world and I get to share it with people, but it's also uh, really endearing and really gratifying to know that to some degree, this changes the landscape of San Francisco history Absolutely. Uh, during one of the most pivotal times in, in San Francisco's era. Literally, I mean, you've uncovered a piece of San Francisco history that has not been discussed in decades that somehow just fell from the pages of history. And it was all serendipity because you needed to take down drywall to do repairs and you uncovered San Francisco history. Absolutely. So would you say your clientele has changed or anything else about this has changed since you've come to know more about the seawall and the exposure it's getting? I wouldn't say that our clientele has changed so much. Uh, we're still in the throes of, uh, of a post-pandemic downtown. But what has changed is how we've embraced the identity of the bar. And it's not just the concept of 
of the aesthetic any longer. It's not just the cocktail and the wine list that defines who we are. We really uh, now connect to the land and the, the wall has really become an imposing part of what represents us and why people come back and they share this experience. They tell the tale, they bring in new customers and new friends and new experiences uh, in order to share that as well. And that's something that can't be multiplied in San Francisco right now, especially in, uh, in this district. So uh, it has, it has altered our approach to uh, how we represent ourselves as a bar. We're not identified by the name of the high horse. We're, we really feel like we're much more indented into the, the the annals of San Francisco history, which for me, as not just as a bartender, but a lover of San Francisco, is a wonderful legacy to be a part of. Oh, that's great. I love that. It was all serendipity. That's how all of this started. And then wanting to post a photo on Facebook group, and then this thing just took a life of its own. I didn't tell you this, but the day that me and the brick expert and the two brick museum people were going to show up. When I told them about the buzz that was being generated, they started to get a little shy and they almost backed out because they were like, "Uh uh-oh, what are we walking into? But it all worked out and I'll get into that interview. I do want to ask a question that I'm sure it's not just me that's wondering, but other people. Do things ever go bump in the night here? You don't Uh, have to answer that if you don't want to. Uh, it's a difficult question to answer because I, I feel like this part of San Francisco has uh, always had a certain air about it. I will say uh, that I rarely feel alone at the high horse. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, it's nice to be in good company. I'm really glad to hear that. Well, Will, I know that our time is limited, so I absolutely want to thank you so much for you know, even mentioning the seawall in the first place and all the times you've let me come here to do my research and even this interview right now. Having said that, is there anything else you want the dear listeners to know before we wrap up the interview? Yeah, I would like to first and foremost uh, thank Gerlina for taking the time to allow us to help us share this uh, part of our world and something that we love so dearly. Thank you for uh, taking us on this adventure um, and learning not just more about the seawall itself, but also more about San Francisco and how we bond to it. It's really changed the way we we feel about our location and uh, how we share our space with our, our uh, patrons. I would like to share with uh, San Francisco and, and the greater Bay Area and uh, all those listening that San Francisco is definitely going through Uh, a transition and those who are here and experiencing and living and loving San Francisco have a lot of wonderful things to, to share and provide and experience with those who are coming. So if you're ever in San Francisco and want to experience something uniquely golden city, uh, we're here for you. Thank you so much, Will. It's been a pleasure. Will met me at 9am on a Saturday for this interview I was a bartender once, so I know how much 9 a.m. hurts as a bartender. Additionally, he's a family man who squeezed in time between running errands for the two bars and returning home to his wife and kids for an event. But he found time to accommodate my microphone and my questions. I have to admit, I naively had hoped that business was back to normal, but the restaurant bar business continues to struggle even in San Francisco. 
Add that the High Horse is a financial district bar, with people still working remotely, that doesn't generate the same happy hour foot traffic a financial district bar needs. I don't know that I conveyed how surprised and touched I was that Will gave me any credit for this newfound buzz surrounding the seawall. But I know I'm honored to be a part of the collective effort to uncover the history of the seawall. This corner of San Francisco is electric. There's electricity, which is notable when everything is still and the sounds of people and cars are absent. And still is exactly what it was walking around Yerba Buena during a pandemic. If you listen closely, you might hear subtle messages in the wind and hear the direction the wind wants you to go. On that day, that's how serendipity of the seawall happened to me. That day, I listened with an open mind, and I found myself at the right place at the right time. The pieces came together in an unpredictable way, and now my COVID hobby podcast serves an additional purpose. From Lakota mythology regarding the wind spirit, as the invisible realm, it's the wind that connects the past, present, and future, connecting ancestors and future generations, uniting humankind into the essential eternal spirit. I also want to acknowledge you, dear listener, for being on this journey with me. You can find Monkey Block on most podcast publishing sites and on Twitter and Facebook. Please favorite this podcast to be alerted when new episodes are released, as well as updates on the seawall. Thank you for listening. This is Monkey Block, retelling forgotten stories from San Francisco's golden past. <laughs>